The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Just beginning this morning, um, I want to invite you guys to uh, grab a Bible. If you don't have one, we have some on the the inner edge, um, underneath the chairs on the aisle. At The Refuge Church, we... We get all our teaching from the Bible, so we're going to have the verses up on the screen as we go. But it's also important, if you don't know how to flip through this book, to learn how to do that. Because even when you don't have someone preaching to you, you can go to the Word of God yourself. And it says the Spirit Himself fills it and inspires it and will still speak to you through it. And so I encourage you to have a Bible and to learn to flip in it. Um, If this is your first time at the Refuge Church. I'm going to catch you up a little bit on who we are and where we're going together. The Refuge Church is a church where we want to see Christ healing community. We want to see Jesus, who is God, exalted and lifted up because he alone has power to free us and tell us who we actually are. And that is healing for us and that's healing for our city and that's healing for the whole world. The way we see that happening is through something called the Theological Vision which sounds like a dun-dun-dun-dun theological vision. But what that means is simply this for us, that we want to be a church of the city. Not just a church in the city, not just a church on the corner of a block, but we want to be a church of the city. And what that means is this is incarnating King Jesus in city life. So like we see him do, we want to do that also, singing its rhythm, speaking its language, sharing its spaces, Fighting injustice, freeing the oppressed, and finding people of peace. That is the heart of this church. We want to invite the entire city into the kingdom of God because that kingdom is led by the Prince of Peace. I don't know you, but I know me very well, and there's nothing in my life I want more than peace. As a pastor, uh, every week people come and share things with me. And, and typically, it's interesting, typically those things, when they, when they pull you aside and say, hey, i got to talk to you, typically those things aren't, hey, best day ever. <laughs> typically that is, you know, I woke up this morning, or I've been thinking over this last week or this last month, and I don't even know how I got here. The place they've found themselves in is is one where they are now controlled in some way by fear, whether it's rational fear, because there is actually something in their life they can see and they can name, and it is terrifying them, or or it's an irrational fear. They don't even know. It's like uncontrollable. I don't know why I am so scared. Every week... I'm hearing those stories. I, I do know why I'm afraid, or I, I don't know why I'm afraid. This morning, I, I want to talk about how the story of Easter, the story of Jesus' resurrection, answers our fears, all of our fears. Easter is the end of our fears. And so, if you have a Bible, turn with me to, to Matthew 28. Um, it's also going to be up on the screen here, if you'd like to look at it. How Easter is the end of our fears, those fears that control us. Matthew 28, this is how it goes. It says, The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, 
For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, he is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. For there you will see him, now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. I love that. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. There they will see me. First thing I want you guys to see in Easter is that on Easter morning, no one believed. If you have your notes, this is the first one. This is the first note we've ever taken at the Refuge Church. Super exciting. No one believed that first Easter morning. No one was a believer that first Easter morning. When Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, came to the tomb, they came to honor a memory of somebody. They came to honor a memory of someone. They didn't come in faith that Jesus was risen from the dead. They came to honor a dead man. For three years they had walked with Jesus. They had, no matter what had happened, a lot of their own weirdness and chaos, they brought into Jesus' life. And, and while they did that, while they questioned what he did, and kept saying, Jesus, like, I, I, know, I know you want to do this, but I'm not sure about it. And he walked patiently with them, and he showed them the way. He, he brought them peace in the, the midst of their fear and anxiety. And then Jesus left. Jesus died. And so they remember that fondly. They, they have good memories of Jesus, but that's all it is for them at this point. And this, this whole ten verses is, is stocked still full of fear and how they navigate this fear. It's amazing. Uh, in verse 4 it says, the guards, right? The guards were so afraid uh, of him, the angel, they shook and became like dead men. The first thing the angel says to the women is, says, don't be afraid. It says when they leave, even after the angel says, hey, don't freak out. It says they leave afraid, yet filled with joy. The first thing Jesus says to them is, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. See, God is pinpointing their lack of faith and their lack of faith that leads to fear. I think it comes from these two things, these two questions that we even ask ourselves sometimes. The question of now what or what if? Now what? Now that this has happened in my life, you all have this, you all have something in your life that now that this has happened, now what am I going to do? This unexpected thing out of my control or maybe it wasn't my control, I just screwed it up, right? Now what? And because I don't know what to do, it now consumes me. Or what if? Like, I, I look ahead to the future, and what if this happens? Or what if, what if this doesn't happen, which I really want to happen? And, and so all those unwanted, uncontrollable, chaotic things in our life, God is pinpointing and addressing in their life. They had confidence while they were with him, while they walked with Jesus, but now that he is not with them, 
their faith is revealed to be incredibly shallow. And so they come, and all the words Jesus said, they just forgot them, and they're coming to honor his memory. So first thing, at Easter morning, there are no believers. Nobody thought Jesus would rise. But Easter does mean the end of fear. And it means the end of fear because of this. The second thing I want you guys to see is this, that they were invited to come and see. Uh, We see this in verse 6. I shall start in 5. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know what you're looking for. You're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Don't be afraid. Have you ever been in a place of incredible fear or anxiety and someone's like, hey, chill out? Usually you're like, oh, thank you. That's all I needed. That's great. <laughs> Just speak in peace, right? And so, and, <laughs> you know, you're in this place where you are, you're blinded. You can't see anything. And someone comes in there like, hey, there's no need to be afraid. And you're like, you don't know me. <laughs> don't talk to me like that. And so the angel comes, and even though he comes and, and probably is terrifying, they're like, I already was afraid, and now I'm an angel talking to me. <laughs> like, I'm hallucinating. They probably had no idea what was going on. And he says, don't be afraid. But, but he says this. He says, he brings them back. He has them remember. They've already come to remember and honor Jesus, but he has them remember what Jesus said. It says, Jesus has, uh, he's not here. He has risen just as he said. And so he reminds them of the words of Jesus, what Jesus has promised. And so I'm going to bring you through four verses. I just have the first one up here, Matthew 16. Uh, reminding you of, of what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 21, From that time on, he began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus said this. He told them these things in Matthew seventeen twenty three. It says, uh, When they came together into Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. Matthew 20, 17 to 19, it says, Now Jesus was going to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the twelve aside and said, Hey, we're going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. But on the third day, he will raise to life. I will raised to life. So Jesus, and there's more. (laughs) Jesus is repeatedly telling them, I'm going to die and I will rise from the dead. But they don't, they don't listen. They don't take this in. They don't take this into consideration. And, And on one hand, you can say, you guys are idiots. On the other hand, you can say, well, what are the things in my life that Jesus has said and I just didn't believe? For one reason or another, maybe I just didn't trust him. Or maybe another thing is, I was so busy about my own agenda, which is likely where they were at. They were just, they were moving in one direction. We're going to Jerusalem together. Woo! Right? Passover. And, and, all, and Jesus is, is letting them know what's going to happen. And they just don't care. And so when the moment of care comes, when the moment of need comes, they're unprepared for it. And... 
most importantly, they're not trusting him. The incredible thing is when the, and this is, this is like the twist in the story, when, when the angel says, now come and see, this is incredible. This just dawned on me last night. What he says, come and see, is this. He's showing them what? Nothing. They're going into an empty room. <laughs> He's like, come check out. And they're like, okay. I don't see anything. And, and it's exactly it. And this is what Jesus does in your life too. This is why the story is so true and so good. Is it, The angel didn't go, go in and they go in and Jesus is like, ta-da! They, they walk in and Jesus isn't present. And so what the angel is doing, he's saying, remember his words, I'm going to give you the ability to live by faith. I'm going to give you, I'm going to welcome you into the life of faith. I'm not just going to say, hey, go in and see him. And so you don't, have to, you don't have to actually trust. Go in and see nothing. And so imagine they leave and it says they're afraid and yet filled with joy. And I, I imagine them going through this, this conversation they're going to have with the, with the rest of the brothers, right? The rest of the disciples. They're going to leave and they're going to say, Jesus is alive. And the disciples are going to say, well, did you see him? And they're going to say, we saw nothing. And so, so they're afraid because they've been welcomed into faith and they're going through this and they're filled with joy and all of a sudden as they're running, they meet Jesus. <laughs> this is incredible because in your story too, you, you and I, we hang on this if I only see again and sometimes what Jesus shows us is nothing. And he says, remember my words. Trust my words. Are you going to keep demanding that I show up in person? Are you going to remember what I've promised you? Are you going to trust my promises because my promises are true? So they're welcomed in to come and see and first to come and see nothing. But as they run, they meet Jesus. And this is what Jesus says to them. Greetings. Such a great start. (laughs) <laughs> like, hey, I think that's the equivalent. <laughs> Jesus is like all casual about it, and, and they're freaking out still. So he goes, hey, uh, and they cling to him. And, and he says to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Again, he doesn't say, hey, I'm going to go with you, and we're going to talk to the brothers. He says, go, you tell them, and they have to trust also. They need to, go, they need to get to Galilee, and when they get to Galilee, then they will see me. As how often does this happen in our lives? Where, where Jesus is going to ask us to do something, or ask us to go somewhere, and they're like, what? we're like, why don't you just show up? And Jesus is like, no, you get there, and I'll be there. And you're not, and your heart rebels against that because you're still clinging to fear, anxiety, and lack of trust. And you're like, you're demanding. No, I need you here. And Jesus is going, no, you have my word. You have my word. Will you trust my, my word? And so Jesus tells them this incredible thing. He says, uh, go and tell. And this is the third point here. They were sent to go and tell. They were invited to to come and see, and then they were sent to go and tell. 
Sometimes I think in the church this can feel sort of like a marketing scheme, like a pyramid scheme, like I tell somebody and they tell somebody, and so the church is going to be huge, right? This isn't what it is. Jesus is saying, go and tell what I have told you, because what you have found has now blown all your fear out of the water. So go share this. Allow the people around you to be invited into the life of faith that I'm inviting you into also. The progression here is beautiful. When the angel speaks, he says, he is not here, he is risen, just as he said. So the whole thing starts with what Jesus says. And then at the very end of what the angel says, the angel says, now I have told you. And then Jesus says, Now you go say it also. And so the progression here is really simple. The certainty comes in this, that Jesus said something and proved to be true. The angel then says, now I have told you. And then now Jesus is inviting us into this to go and invite others into the life of faith. What I want to show you is what this produced in the disciples. What this produced in the disciples is this. In 1 John 1, 1 through 4, you have... um, you have the Apostle John, who, who later is writing um, to one of the churches, and this is what he says. This is one of the, the brothers that was invited to share and inviting others into faith. This is what he says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, right? come and see, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. This is so cool, because this is just, this is years later, and this is just, um, this is them walking it out by faith, trusting the words of Jesus. Like, now we're telling you, the life appeared, and we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So it's not this pyramid marketing scheme. He's like, I can't help but share with you my joy. I want you guys a part of it. And I want to share with you what this looked like for these guys who went and shared it. I'm just going to list with the apostles and what this meant for them. Simon Peter took this message to Rome and was crucified upside down. Andrew, Peter's brother, took the message to Greece and was tortured and then tied to a cross so it would take him longer to die. James, the son of, Ze- son of Zebedee, he was beheaded by Herod of Agrippa. John, son of Zebedee, who wrote this, he was, after being boiled in oil, he was allowed to live. Okay, so he died in exile on the island of Patmos after writing the book of Revelation. Philip took the message to Egypt and was crucified. Bartholomew took the message to India. And we're given two accounts of his death. We don't know which one is the right one. The first one, he's beaten and crucified. The second one, he's skinned alive and beheaded. So take your pick, right? Um, Either one, not the best way to go. Doubting Thomas took the message to Greece and India, and then was ran through with a spear in India. Matthew, the tax collector, took the message to Ethiopia and was stabbed in the back by a swordsman. Thaddeus, also known as Jude, was crucified in Edessa. We don't know whether that was Turkey or Greece. We just know it was Edessa. James, son of Alphaeus, 
elected leader of the church in Jerusalem, died at the age of 94. After being beaten and stoned, he was, he was hit with a club in the head. Simon the Zealot took the message to England and was then crucified. We write this so our joy can be complete. I can't wait to tell you about it. And these were men who had no more fear. They were fearless. Why? Because they were done. They were done with doubting the words of Jesus and they were trusting the words of Jesus. They were trusting the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus that had led them for years and filled them with so much peace and love. And this is what uh, John writes later. In in, uh, chapter 4, John, who was exiled and then was an author in many of the books in the New Testament, he says, We know and rely on the love of God, the love God has for us. God is love. This is what compelled them to do all these things, to go to England and India and Greece and be killed. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. (laughs) Like eight of them were crucified, literally. Right? There is no fear in love, though. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who is who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. He first loved us and confirmed his words to us over and over again. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for you. And so that now your life can be found in me. I love you. And so there's no need to fear punishment. But surely I am with you now to the very end of the age. That's the last words were given in Matthew 28. The last words of Jesus before he ascends is, and surely I am with you. There's no need to fear. So my question for you as we leave is this. Simply, are you still living in Easter morning? The morning of Easter when we go and we want to honor the memory of Jesus, but we don't trust his words. We're like, Jesus, you did some cool things, but now I'm just going to let fear reign in me. (laughs) I'm going to forget the rest. Guys, I want, to, I want to welcome you into Easter afternoon where they have, they have came to see that what Jesus said was true, that his love was made complete, his love was unconquerable, and it conquered the grave, and you can be welcomed into that. So no matter what happens, if you walk the same road as the disciples did because they were so confident in him, there was no need to fear even death. So why does Easter mean the end of fear? Because we can have complete confident in the words of Jesus. The same words of Jesus that said don't be afraid says I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Psalm 21 27 1 says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Easter means the end of fear. Pray with me. God, you welcome us into an unconquerable life, that an invincible life, because where you are is where we can be also. 
Because the words that you've spoken are true. Uh, They've been proven in your life, your death, and your resurrection. I pray today that us who are here can identify the fears in our lives. We can name them and lay them at the foot of your cross. Where you died, but you didn't remain dead. You were raised to life just as you said. And you said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So there's no need to fear. Make these words come alive to us. We love Jesus. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.